Hey, it's Dan. Just wanted to welcome our new listeners on NPR One. We're really glad you found us. If you haven't already, just tap our logo and hit the plus button on the NPR One app so you never miss an episode. Okay, on with the show. Last week, hospitalizations for COVID-19 fell below 110,000 for the first time since December 13th. And the pace of vaccinations is ramping up. It's good news for sure. But for frontline healthcare providers, relief is still a long way off. And many of them are coming up on a full year of combating COVID. Today, what one doctor has learned in that year about death, denial, and this new disease. From the studio at the Leonard Davis Institute at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. It was kind of like when the tornado sirens go off around here. Mike Hunahan is a 37-year-old emergency room physician in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mike remembers when COVID first appeared in the U.S. He was almost sure it was going to spread fast. Like the sky is black and the birds are quiet. It's very spooky. And there's just this, the loudest siren you've ever heard. And you just kind of brace. He was bracing for a wave of sickness and death. And he was bracing against his own fear that people would fail to meet this moment. I was worried at the beginning of the pandemic that we would know exactly what to do. You know, wear masks and distance and not go to gatherings and stuff, but not have the courage to do it. One of his first patients did have that courage. She was a woman in her 90s. And I told her that she had COVID and she said... I don't want a ventilator. Uh, (laughs) She said, I've had a good life, and you should give it to someone uh, young. I mean, she didn't even need a ventilator. Uh, But she didn't know that. She saw the news, and I told her she had COVID, and she said, uh, give it to someone else. Mike recognized a kindred spirit in that woman, a person devoted to the greater good. It's why Mike left a well-paid hedge fund job in Connecticut and took out loans to practice medicine. It's corny to say, he says, but it's true. He wanted to make a difference. I've just sort of been pursuing that ever since. I I still feel exactly the same. Nothing has changed at all. I think it's the best. It's an amazing job. Six years in, he's treated heart attacks, strokes, shortness of breath, and gunshot wounds. And he's gotten pretty good at it. Now, he's doing his best to make a difference in a world overcome by COVID. It's been nearly a year since Mike saw that woman who declined the ventilator. And Mike's fears have been realized. Too few people had sacrificed to protect others to slow down the pandemic. As of early February, Oklahoma's had more than 380,000 COVID cases, more than 3,500 deaths. The point, there's a cost to people's seeming indifference to the virus. Mike sees that cost almost every day. In fact, he basically gets a tour of it every time he steps into the ER. First, there's the waiting room. It's controlled chaos. Mike says he's hit by the noise. Ambulance sirens, dozens of conversations in many languages, people in pain, people packed in. I mean, there's people sitting in chairs in the side of the hallway, 
wearing street clothes. They don't have a gown. They don't have a bed. Getting IVs and oxygen. And that would never happen before. Nurses draw blood. Stable patients take a turn for the worse. An appendix ruptures. You've got 20 pots on the stove and you just can't let anything burn. You know, you just have to find anything bad happening and do that right away. Mike is careful to say that everyone in his hospital gets what they need, but the waiting is real. Next up on the tour, phone calls. Mike makes lots of calls these days. Sometimes that's meant asking adult children to make urgent end-of-life decisions. I said, uh, like I have said a hundred times, I'm sorry to wake you up. It's Dr. Hunahan in the emergency room. I have your mother here. A semi-conscious woman in her 90s had just arrived in the middle of the night from a skilled nursing facility. She had COVID. She's really sick. I think the best thing to do is to intubate her. Does she have a power of attorney or an advanced directive? The daughter started to cry. She said, do I have to do this now? She kept saying that. Do I have to decide right now? And I said, yeah, you do. But she couldn't. She needed time. A half an hour later, she called Mike back. And she said she wouldn't want that. Do what you think is best. She would not want to be on a ventilator. Mike then broke the news. The woman's mother didn't need the ventilator after all. And that was great, of course. A few simple interventions had actually stabilized her breathing. But the moment also revealed a simple truth. The uncertainty around COVID is always there, even for doctors. After the break, confrontations with patients, a letter to the editor, and hope. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We're back, looking at how one ER doc has coped with COVID. Like most ER docs, Mike prides himself on sizing up a patient's symptoms fast and acting. He's modeled himself after his mentors. I remember thinking the older doctors had superpowers. Like when I started training, like they could just hold so much information in their head and they never panicked. They were always calm and they could just figure stuff out so quickly. But COVID is new. It's harder to be sure what he's seen, like with that woman from the nursing facility. A big thing that's been really scary is that it seems like intubating these patients might not always be the right thing to do. And that was something that we always had a fallback on. Typically, when a patient struggles for air on her own, doctors insert a tube into her airway, and the tube is connected to a ventilator that pushes air into the lungs. If someone's oxygen was super low, from heart failure or COPD or some other pneumonia. You could put in a breathing tube and feel pretty sure that you could fix it. But patients with COVID can be sick for weeks. And if she's on a ventilator all that time, she can lose the ability to breathe on her own. It's kind of like an astronaut. Like if they're in space, not doing anything for a month, 
they're weak. When you put someone on a ventilator and COVID is just ravaging their lungs, they're going to be on the ventilator for three weeks. They can't get strong enough again to come off the ventilator. Nearly a year into this thing, doctors are still figuring out the best way to care for their patients. People are surviving with low oxygen, not intubated. And people are getting intubated for low oxygen and dying on the ventilator. And it just, so much of it doesn't make any sense. The next stop, patient rooms. COVID has on occasion pitted patient against doctor. Mike's seen patients in the hospital with COVID refuse to wear a mask. They don't think it's real. And you're just watching all this carnage every day for a year. It's like your brain is not built to understand it. Through this all, Mike has lost his bearings a bit. He's devoted his medical career to helping the common good. He even wrote a letter to the editor in the Tulsa World last fall after he heard what President Trump had said in an October rally in Michigan. Our doctors get more money if somebody dies from COVID. You know that, right? It was kind of death by a thousand cuts. And that was the worst, last, deepest one. As if what we're already doing isn't hard enough. (laughs) You know? A few days later, Mike went for a bike ride after a rough shift at the hospital. And I was just riding through this big park in town, and almost no one had masks on. And it was this juxtaposition of leaving the hospital where all these people are just sick and dying. It's like you you walk into a different world. He didn't know what to do. Everything seemed to be piling up. He was angry, sad, disappointed. He couldn't sleep. So on one of those sleepless nights, he wrote the letter. We need every single person to become a hero because what's true on the front lines is true everywhere. When you distance, wear a mask, and wash your hands, you are saving someone's life. Mike hoped his letter might make a difference, that his story as an ER doc serving his community might convince more people to wear masks. But Mike knows his story didn't work well enough. All he has to do is look around his ER. With the vaccine here, Mike's now worried about people feeling a false sense of security, just as more contagious variants are on the rise. He's worried a year in, people still don't get how serious this is, how connected we all are. And that takes us to the final stop of this ER tour, his computer. I had a patient that needed surgery for his gallbladder. He didn't have COVID, but I called 12 hospitals until I found one that had a bed where he could go. This guy had an emergency, and there are so many people with COVID that he would die in America if that ruptured. Imagine, says Mike, a doctor trying to save a patient of an imminently curable condition by desperately Googling hospitals, looking for anyone with enough capacity to take him in. Maybe that'll hit home a little differently. Think about that. If you need your gallbladder cut out or you're going to die, you'll wish that everyone had worn masks. Maybe that'll work. Mike still believes, in spite of everything, there's no place he'd rather be. On days when he struggles, he turns to moments from the past year that remind him of how good people can be to each other. The anonymous thank you note on his windshield. The neighbor who started mowing his lawn. The surprise parade in front of his house, friends honking and waving. And the 90-year-old woman who was willing to sacrifice for someone else. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this 
is trade-offs. People like to think big when it comes to health reform, value-based care, Medicare for all, capping prescription drug prices. But what if I told you we could save $340 billion a year by making a bunch of smaller tweaks? Nobody writes country music songs about incrementalism. But the reality is when you sort of do incrementalism across a whole bunch of incremental steps, you actually can add up to to big progress. How a few seemingly simple ideas could save the country billions on health care. Next time on Tradeoffs. If you enjoyed today's episode of Tradeoffs, keep in touch with us between episodes by signing up for our newsletter. Click on the link in the show notes or on the big orange button at the top of our website, tradeoffs.org. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at TradeoffsPod. And we'd be eternally grateful if you gave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, liked us on NPR One, or whichever app you use. Tradeoffs is produced by Christine Fennessy and Ryan Levy, Chief of Strategy and Operations Jessica Silverman, Communications Manager Matt Clyburn, Operations Assistant Jamie Song, Sound Designer Andrew Perella, and Senior Producer Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music this episode from Blue Dot Sessions. Additional thanks to the Tradeoffs Advisory Board. Thanks also to all our listeners who helped to support our work, including Emmett Lynn, Linda Blumberg, and Susan Carroll. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, Arnold Ventures, the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics at the University of Pennsylvania, West Health, the California Healthcare Foundation, and the National Institute for Healthcare Management. The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of Tradeoffs staff, advisors, or funders. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.